When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's it, everybody. We are back, and this is episode question mark. we got a big backlog. Mike's on a vacation soon, but the title of this episode is You've Learned Enough CSS. Here's what's next. This is related to tutorial hell, but it's also for the people that are not necessarily stuck in tutorial mode. They're literally building projects with the knowledge that they have in CSS, and they're wondering, should I move on to something else? Why would I do that? So tutorial hell related. Tutorial hell adjacent, actually. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> but uh, if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon. Leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server or share this with your friends. And I just want to preface this with a bit of an explanation, a bit of an intro. And it's talking specifically about what tutorial hell is. If you don't know what that is, uh, it, tutorial hell is when you're literally bogged down in tutorials. You keep watching YouTube videos that are explaining coding concepts. You're continually looking at uh, documentation. You're constantly reading uh, courses or watching courses, uh, doing even the the interactive courses and stuff like that. And you're just bogged down in that topic. And this is this escapes coding largely as well. If you're a person that's constantly watching somebody do woodworking and you'd love to build a shelf. And you never build the shelf. You keep watching people do different methods and you keep thinking, well, maybe I should glue it. No, I should nail it. No, I should do this. And you're, you're stuck in tutorial hell. Now for CSS, this problem can exist due to a plethora of reasons, just because there is literally a plethora of ways to lay out the page. The exact same slider could be done with Flexbox. It could be done with Grid. It could be done with a combination of the two. And that's just the beginning. There's a bunch of other ways to do that as well. You can do transitions. You can do animations. You can do a combination of both. You can do the list obviously goes on. And so instead of getting bogged down, this is kind of an episode to kind of push you forward to let you know, hey, I have learned enough CSS. I'm confident in my CSS level. You know, let's let's go. And Mike and I always preach, as we said before, that we that you you learn your HTML, then your CSS, then your JS, all vanilla, and then you move on to something else. For so this is for the people that are in that CSS mode. They've done the tutorials and maybe they've built some projects even, but they're like, man, do I know enough to go on to something like a Bootstrap or something? So when should you move on? So when should you move on? Before we dive in, I, I kind of want to talk a little bit about tutorial hell in my own mind. Um, I feel like I, I'm so scared of tutorial hell that I go out of my way to jump into code as fast as possible. I've noticed this in the last few years now where I will, instead of going in and just like going through a typical tutorial or a course for a new tech or a new library, I'll go in and just go to the documentation directly and try to implement whatever it is. And only at the point where I've actually broken something or I don't understand a certain concept 
in that library? Will I skip to a tutorial or I'll go to a YouTube video or something like that? And while I'm watching that, I'll usually be coding in alongside in my own application, trying to follow along kind of like that. So I've gone the opposite, like more probably more extreme way of avoiding tutorial hell. And I'm wondering, like, there's probably a, a better in between where you should probably like get the, you know, the basics down and then dive into the code. Um, but it's interesting. I just like, as you were mentioning tutorial hell, I was kind of processing in my own mind of like, I haven't been there in a while and it's probably because I'm extremely afraid of it. What's interesting about that is it, it feels like two different modes when you're working on something and you get stuck on whatever it is and you look up how to do it. I feel like I'm just doing it. I feel like I'm just progressing in whatever task I'm coding up, whatever it is I'm trying to code up. I'm not sitting there almost like at a lecture in a lecture hall listening. And it's the two modes of almost doing and learning. And even though they very oftentimes kind of cross wires, as you're saying, you pull up the guide, you code up some stuff, even though they constantly cross wires, it's been a long time since I have actually gone into tutorial mode where I've just sat there and been like, okay, I am going to learn this. Um, and it's one of the big struggles, actually, is we keep talking about this like full stack thing that I'm I'm going to attempt with Svelte. I'm absolutely doing it actively. Uh, and I'm right now I need to be in tutorial mode. And it's a big, weird step for me to just sit there and watch a 40, 40 minute, maybe even an hour long YouTube video. And I'm sure Mike has. I remember you, Mike, uh, for a project we had a contract we had years ago now, I think uh, you we're trying to code it up in something and you're, you're like, I literally had to tell the contractor, you know, I have to stop and I have to learn this because they were migrating to a new tool or something. I'm not Electron. It might have been Svelte or something. I don't remember what you were doing, but I remember you stopped and you took a course and then you came back and were like, OK, because you kept hitting Flutter. roadblocks. Flutter. OK. It was Flutter. Yeah. It was like Flutter is a cross platform development uh tool that allows you to build for like iOS and Android at the same time in the same code base. And uh, yeah, Matt, you're right. Like I, we, we chose Flutter or like a contractor chose Flutter or something like that. Someone chose Flutter and uh, I was just not up in it. Like I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. So yes, that was exactly the moment where I was like, you know what, this is course time. Like I had to go back and buy, I bought a course on Udemy, I think, and just like went through that course. And then I had a much better understanding of what I was doing there. And I've done similar things with React. Uh, recently, I had a React project that I was working on and I, did, I didn't take a course on it or even buy anything, but I did go back and like learn the fundamentals uh, through like a YouTube video or something like that. So I, I do I do that, but like I, in my mind, for some reason, it's not tutorial mode. It's like I'm practically needing these skills at this very moment. So I'm going to learn them and then apply them as fast as I can. It, it breaks down the barrier where you were hitting the roadblocks and all of us hit roadblocks, but it, it hitting a roadblock and dealing with a roadblock is a lot different when you understand the surrounding context. If you understand CSS and you get stuck on trying to get a layout to work, you're looking for specific things. It's a lot different if you don't even have an idea what you're looking for and you're just like, uh, like we're. Press functions, you know, question mark. You're not even sure what you're, what you're looking up. You're not, uh, you're not fully versed in what you're doing. And so sometimes it's back up, watch a bunch of stuff. Okay. I have the context now and I can keep searching. But let's say you've done all that. 
and you're like, okay, you know, I've learned a whole bunch of CSS here. I would like to move on, or I think I should move on. And when I say move on, I mean to go to do something like Tailwind or Bootstrap or you know, enter in enter in a CSS piece of tooling here. You want to move on, but you're scared because first of all, CSS is now your comfort zone. And second of all, you're thinking, well, what if I'm missing something? And when I move on, I'm going to have trouble distinguishing between the tooling versus the CSS versus the vanilla. And I'm not going to know the two. So this is way, this is the way I think that you should do it. So if you're into CSS and you're into HTML right now, you know that there's a DOM flow. If you were to type in uh, a, rather write, I guess, a, an HTML page, no CSS, no styling, just an HTML page, you're just doing the elements, you generally know where the elements are going to be. They flow from top to bottom, and that's how it works, right? You put, you, you were to put a, a paragraph, and then you put a second paragraph beneath it. That's how it shows up in the page. There's a flow to it. Obviously, layouts are much more complex than that, but for the sake of an audio show, that's a basic example. And so HTML is not being read, you know, bottom to top or anything like that. So you, if you can take that flow and you un, you think you understand it, put it into practice in your mind. This is how I think of it. So if somebody has a web page, doesn't matter what web page, you go to youtube.com, you can go to any web page. You can even look at a paper flyer. It doesn't matter. If you can take a look at that layout and you start having ideas on how to lay that out. And I mean every part of it. Even if you're a little bit shaky on something and you're thinking, I'm going to have to Google that type of image processing or that type of image manipulation, but you know you need to image manipulate. You know that you're going to be messing around with that. You're not going to be styling it. You understand the DOM flow, the flow of the web page. If you get that, I think personally, you are ready to move on to something else because the one thing that Mike and I, when we first started is I started learning CSS and I just couldn't get certain concepts working. Uh, some of the things like uh, I always talk about learning nav bars. I couldn't get my nav bar to uh, kind of manipulate and change its layout the way I wanted to as the screen shrunk. And I and as I learned CSS, I got certain screen sizes working. I think I got the desktop working and the phone working, but I couldn't get the tablet sort of in between size working. And it was because I did not know enough CSS to know really what I was doing. I was still learning the properties and I was still learning the DOM flow and how the browser interprets just straight up an HTML page to the point where I was just sort of kind of playing almost with the properties. And so if you're at that stage where you you don't really know what you're doing and you don't really know how the page is generally going to look, then you're not at a point in which you should move on. And there are some key concepts that you should know in CSS. Like, for example, maybe you should know grid, but you don't know what the greatest. Well, that's fine because many people have just learned, say, Flexbox and then moved on to other tooling and then have come back into CSS. You don't need to know everything about CSS. That's ridiculous. And you don't need to be a specialist on certain things. So for example, let's say you're building a project and it, it, accessibility is important for you. It's something that you should do. And it's important in particularity for this project. You need to make sure it's really good. Well, if you think to yourself, uh oh, like I'm not a CSS, you know, accessibility specialist, what am I going to do? The point is, you know, that you need to go in and figure out some stuff. You need to know, okay, hang on. 
you know, I need to manipulate my DOM. I need to manipulate my HTML. I need to change these elements. And in turn, that's going to change how I've done my CSS. If you're say at the refactoring stage, you know enough to get into or rather, I guess, search up the solution. And then you know enough to understand the majority of the solutions that you're reading. The reason why I brought up accessibility is because accessibility is kind of more of an advanced topic when you're talking about HTML and CSS. A lot of people will just put divs everywhere, and that's not great for screen readers, for example. That's more of an advanced topic. And so some people will get caught up in the accessibility angle thinking, oh my God, you know, I'm not quite accessible enough. I'm not quite accessible enough. There are tools out there. Some browsers do it. Uh, There's other tools like it's built into Webflow, for example. There's, uh, I'm sure, which although I haven't used it, there, I'm sure there's WordPress plugins that do it. There are two, there's tooling out there that will tell you, hey, you missed the alt text, for example, on this image. You might be like, oh, shoot, what is that? You look it up, but you know what an HTML property is and you know how to set it. You're good. So even with these hangouts, if you understand the DOM flow, if you understand how to Google the stuff that you're shaky on, I think you're ready to move on. I'm curious what you think where like animations and transitions fall under this. Like, do you think that that you should have a basic understanding of them before moving on with CSS? Because they are part of like, they are part of the CSS spec at this point. Or is that another one of those like accessibility things where if you just know that they exist and then you can move on and come back to them later. So for me personally, I would say that it's not something that's super crucial, but it's something that you're going to use all the time. Now, that sounds counterintuitive, but let me explain that. So someone's going to ask you to lay out a page. There's going to be what I would call a default state of that page. So the page is going to load and the images are going to load in. But you want to have a little uh, transition, let's say, when you hover over uh, one of the images, you want like a little a little bit of opacity to to go down. You want the opacity to go down from 1.0 to 0.7, for example. Your layout as a still, as a single image, is not going to be affected by that. And that and you still need to do that. And it's so so it's super foundational to me that you get your layouts done and think of them as a still. And then you can add the animations and the transitions because they're visual. In the same way that there are so many ways that you can check on accessibility, like you should absolutely make your sites accessible. You should absolutely make sure they are. But there's a lot of tools you can use to check on that with an animation. You're visually checking on that. Hey, this is supposed to slide left and it's sliding right. That is broken. But that thing that is supposed to slide left and right, that thing that is supposed to fade in and out with opacity, those things are visual and they come from a state. They come from that still state in most cases. So you can, it's really important for you to understand the lay, the original layout, the still layout, if you will. This is again, my opinion. And then you can go and look all that stuff up. The client wants this to spin. Okay. Literally, how do I make things spin in CSS? You already know how to do, um, properties. The only real new thing you might hit is a new property, like a, like transition, or if it's something that's more complex and you need an animation, maybe keyframes, but it's not something that's like so out of your wheelhouse that you're like, whoa, what is this? Like, what is that thing? It's not like as if you're programming in 
JavaScript and you've never heard of a variable. It's not that severe. That's my take on that. Yeah, that makes sense. So foundational elements, the viewport, like the, the, the actual static view, that's the most important thing. That's the thing you learn first. And then the next steps are, I mean, you'll talk about them soon, but this falls under those next steps. Yeah, l- layout first, animation next. That's that's my that's my take. And then I do accessibility last just because I want my layout to be complete. Then when I go in and do my uh, my refactoring, then I do m- and make sure my accessibility is there because I'm not I don't want to add a whole bunch of accessibility things like my alt text and stuff for images that are going to be constantly changing because the client hasn't decided on their design yet. So I do the accessibility last. I do it in my performance slash refa- refactoring stage, a little insight into how I make sites. So, okay, so let's say you've decided, hey, I know how to do layouts. I know. Great. Perfect. Okay. What should I move on to and why should I move on to it? Well, let's first tackle the why. So you maybe are learning right now to get a job. There are going to be pieces of tooling that employers are looking for skills in. Some employers are going to want to hire you as a UI developer and they're current website or web app is using Tailwind. Maybe it's using Bootstrap, anything like that. And so having skills in those areas, the same way that learning React to JavaScript, let's say, or rather JavaScript to React, makes sense for the for the team environment, for the employer. It's exactly the same thing. If you go looking, I want to be a UI developer, you look up all the UI developer jobs in your area and you go, whoa, everyone's asking for Tailwind. Boom. Maybe that's the tool that you should use, for example. Also, if you're if you're just trying to speed up your own workflow. So using CSS uh, in its vanilla form is great, but it's very much a very close piece to the metal. It's very close to the silicon, if you will. Um, it, you're doing everything manually. So you might want to speed up your workflow. You might want to have Bootstrap come in because you're just trying to complete a blog really quick. You're not super picky on the layout and you're fine with just a modern looking, effectively almost like a UI kit, if you will, um, that, that Bootstrap offers. Bootstrap, you literally call in a nav bar and it just makes a nav bar for you. Another thing I want to mention there as well, specifically with Bootstrap and things like it, is Bootstrap is customizable. You can go in and let's say you you uh, use uh, the word purple. Well, purple might be a, sh- a certain shade of purple that you don't really like and you want to change that. Changing that is a little more advanced in Bootstrap. And so if you have knowledge in CSS already, you have a great backing to then look up how do I manipulate Bootstrap itself to suit my needs because I want the UI up fast, but I want my my brand's colors up there and I don't want to just have a whole bunch of redundant, you know, I'll call purple and then I'll change purple later. And so stuff like that, those little nuanced things are a lot easier to look up, understand how to change and then actually change when you know the basics and when you understand uh, CSS. And that goes for a lot of different UI libraries as well. Also, something that you might not have thought of is it's good practice reading documentation And this can be applied in your learning journey. If you're at your CSS, your next big step might be to learn JS. Maybe you're going just for you just want to start building layouts and you decide I want to advance my CSS skills further. 
then my JS skills, I want to learn some bootstrap and then I'll learn JS and then I'll learn React or something like that. If you, if you're, that's your path, this might be great practice. If you go through and you're reading the bootstrap docs, if you're reading the tailwind docs, if you're reading the SAS docs, these are all great tools for, or these are all great skills for you to read up on it. Okay, great, cool, whatever. Now, when you go to JS, you know, you, you learn your, your vanilla JS. Then you're like, hey, I want to use React now. Well, you're going to have to read docs and tech, technical documentation reading is absolutely a skill because they're written similarly. You might pick up some tricks of the trade like, hey, I, you know, I want to start with the my first app or like I want to look up these keywords and they are very commonly common <laughs> across different um, different documentations. Also, just staying in line with the industry. And I don't mean that you need to learn everything. You don't need to know bootstrap and tailwind and tailwind UI. And then that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you may, you, you may just want to be plugged in enough to be able to hold a conversation and to be able to pivot. If your current employer is using tailwind and then they decide, uh, you know, we want to go bootstrap or even vice versa. You want to be just plugged in enough to know, okay, yeah, bootstrap is, you know, this tailwind is this. You know the differences or let's say they want to go from something that's, let's say, closer to CSS, which is SAS. Let's say it's using the SCSS syntax that is largely really pretty close to vanilla CSS still. And then they want to branch from SCSS slash SAS over to Bootstrap. You at least know what Bootstrap is and you can, again, read those, read that documentation faster and be able to pivot over to that and be able to hold a conversation when someone explains it to you. Hey, you know, that's like a, you know, it allows you to spin up really quickly because it builds, it has like the built, the uh, pre-built pieces of the UI for you. Fantastic. You know, now you know how to pivot and you can hold that conversation. I think another, another one I want to add is just as you're starting out, as you're becoming, as you're learning development, as you're learning HTML, CSS, you need to figure out that point where you become too comfortable in something. And the faster you figure out that point and the more you put yourself in the uncomfortable zone quicker, the faster you'll learn development, the faster you'll become a developer. Because as a developer right now, I can tell you almost daily, I get to the point of uncomfortable where I don't know something, okay? And I, at this point, it doesn't really phase me as much. Earlier on in my career or earlier on in my learning, every time I would get that at a comfortable point, the outside comfort zone situation where I don't know something or I am, I'm needing to look it up or I, I don't know what the heck's going on at all, it would drive me back to the comfort zone a lot quicker, right? And as I, as I started to get comfortable being uncomfortable, right? That that's where developers need to be. You need to be uncomfortable. I became to accelerate my learning. So the one of the reasons you should move on is to be uncomfortable again. Most likely you're moving on because you're comfortable at least to some degree in CSS, like Matt talked about uh, with all the, you know, you understand the DOM flow and everything like that. Start being uncomfortable again. So if you're, if you're continuing your journey in the UI element, so a lot of like, you know, at this point in time, when you, if you learn the basics of CSS, you have an option of like, hey, you could move on to JavaScript, right? You have the basics down. You're more of a programmer anyway. You're moving on to JavaScript. But if you're more of a UI developer and you're more of a designer and you want to have that skill set of being able to build your designs, 
then moving on to the next phases of like Tailwind and Bootstrap and, and, uh, SAS and all, and SCSS and all that, like the stuff that we're going to talk about in the next thing, in the next phase, that should be your outside your comfort zone at that point. And you should embrace that. And so again, try to figure out that edge of comfort and uncomfort as quickly as possible in your learning journey. And, and this transitions well into the next point I was going to make about, you know, why, why should you move on? Because breaking out of your comfort zone and learning the new tools is great for employers. It's great for maybe even your own productivity and stuff like that. It is difficult and it is uncomfortable, but it is really important in order to reach your goals. And largely that's what I would suggest you use to follow like, why, like, what should I move on to? You know, what, what, what should I do now? Now I'm given too much choice. I know that I should, and I know I'm at the time in which I should, but what do I do? Base this around your goals. And Mike said there should be almost this underlying goal of being kind of uncomfortable and learning new things. But what is your goal? And one of the things I want to point out is you really should know the difference between your various tooling. Should you, you need to know the difference, for example, between Bootstrap versus Tailwind versus your SaaS. And then ask yourself some questions like, well, I want to expand my CSS skills specifically. I don't want to just expand my UI building skills. I want to expand my CSS skills. Then maybe SaaS using a syntax like SCSS makes the most sense for you. You're learning how to install something. You're learning how to update it. You're learning all these little pieces of nuance. You're reading the documentation. You're getting all these skills that you're not really thinking about because your main goal is to learn SAS in order to enhance your CSS skills. Because SAS with CSS is largely just an enhanced CSS rule, if you, or syntax, excuse me. It's an expanded CSS syntax. So maybe that's where you want to go. Maybe it isn't. Maybe you're like, man, you know, I'm, I'm just learning this UI stuff because I have a project that I want to make and I want to cook something up. This isn't for an employer. This is for me. Great. Then use the most productive tool for the job. Go and look it up. If Bootstrap is going to be great for your purpose, then go to Bootstrap. If Tailwind's going to be great for your purpose, use that. If using some no-code tool compiled with your now, your now new knowledge of vanilla CSS, if that's going to work great, go for it. Ask yourself these questions. And one more as well. Do you want to work for an employer? We've already touched on this, but just see what they're asking for. Don't spend all your time learning Tailwind to only find out that all the employers in your area are using Bootstrap and now you got to spin up again. Pivots are going to happen. And this is why I want to reiterate this point here. Pivots are going to happen. You're not always going to use Bootstrap, chances are. Sometimes you are going to move over to Tailwind. You are going to move over here and there. But you're just getting started. You may as well plan what you're going to do by asking you yourself these questions and be like, okay, you know, I'm, you know, 80% sure that I should use bootstrap because a lot of the employers here want that. But then you just so happen to get the job with the person that's using tailwind. That doesn't mean you screwed up your learning. That doesn't mean that you screwed up what you moved on to. You went with what was statistically likely Maybe it also fit another one of your goals because maybe you want a job, but you also want to make something for yourself. And so you took the most common denominator. You took the best option at the time. Now you got to pivot a bit. That's great. You're still bringing over your 
your installation skills. You're still bringing over your documentation reading skills. You're still bringing over the fact that you understand the difference between CSS in its vanilla form versus a another form with some tooling on top of it. You're bringing over all those skills as you pivot around because you can't estimate everything. You might even get hired by the the bootstrap, the the office that's using bootstrap to to get in there and find out in 10 months they want you to switch over to Tailwind. You don't know. And so don't take this decision of what you should move on to too seriously. Ask yourself some questions and then move forward. Don't get stuck in, I don't know, I guess another version of tutorial hell. Maybe it's analysis paralysis where you're like, I I do not want to waste time. I must learn bootstrap. And if anyone wants me to do anything else, that's it. Like I'm not, don't take this too seriously. People, people are making mountains out of molehills here. Go try bootstrap. Go mess around with it. I messed around with bootstrap and built a couple projects in it before I really knew CSS too well. Just go mess around with it. Like who cares? And if you don't like it, go somewhere else. <laughs> that's it. Go check something else out. But that's my piece. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of want to add a couple more areas where you could look at um, one of them being GSAP. So GSAP is a this is more of like a cross between uh, JavaScript and CSS and HTML. It's a animation library right now. It's pretty popular in the boutique uh, de- like design game. So a lot of really fancy websites like if you go on awards.com, which is like the fancy websites of the internet uh, every every day they kind of post their the newest the newest websites that catch people's eye a lot of those websites have some crazy animations a lot of those animations are made with a library called gsap there's other libraries for animations in general there's even native animation uh apis in javascript but gsap has a lot of really cool tools like timelines and um uh, just just like scroll handlers it ha- it kind of has everything built in there's also a premium version of it it it's a very standard tool that can be an accessory like i i know for a fact can be something you could put on your resume and can put make a differentiator i think a little bit of your decision making should be made on like hey if i'm looking for a job what's the thing that's going to elevate me over the empl- like the next guy down the line right or the next gal down the line and gsap's one of those things um currently tailwind i would say is also a potential to have that power same with ssas and scss like matt was saying those standard kind of html like css tooling libraries are becoming more and more popular due to the fact that the of the standards and design system integrations that they have for you. I'll give you an example in a larger project when you're working with a design team, a marketing team, a team of developers and a, like front end specialists, you're you're going to have to have a very rigid system for like what does a button look like, right? So if you're putting a button on a page, Obviously, there can be variations of it, but really, what does it look like for this website? What does a form field look like? What does a uh, login page look like? What does a landing page look like? All of that is kind of defined in a design system. So when you're doing CSS, when you're doing HTML, thinking in a design system approach makes it easier for you to integrate with a team. When we're talking Bootstrap or Tailwind, they bring their own design systems. So Bootstraps brings a very rigid design system where like almost 
you can almost easily tell what's a bootstrap site and what isn't. Obviously, you can customize it very heavily, but a lot of times people rely on like, hey, this is what a column looks like in bootstrap. This is what like bootstrap uh, fields look like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It, it implies a lot of that for you. Tailwind is something in between. We had an episode recently where I kind of drew that graph in virtually where like Tailwind gives you at least the subset that you need. So like the, all the different sizes that you need for the viewports, all the different sizes across the board for text. So you don't have to make that up. The example would be like, hey, um, if you have five different components that are being developed by five different developers, what's the standard you know font size for a regular paragraph? Well, some people might do 10 pixels, some people might do 16, some people might, like, might do 18. If there's no set standard size that you're using, it could be all over the place. So these design systems help you narrow that down into a more standard and unified approach where it's easier to use. So instead of using a pixel number, you would use a class that's already been predefined. So like small or paragraph size or something like that. And so those kinds of things, again, those are the kinds of things that can differentiate you when you're looking for that first job over the developer that's just like, hey, I'm just using pixel sizes everywhere and I'm just using native CSS um, for everything, even though like obviously for a solo project, there's nothing wrong with that. Or for like a personal project, there's nothing wrong with using you know static pixel content in your CSS. But if you're thinking outside the box, if you're thinking about that next step, that's where you start to approach the, the the differences in like all these different tools. Even the making things more modern. Uh, like I know that I've, I've used REMs and, you know, VWs and VHs and all kinds of things. And I would just sort of sprinkle them in wherever I felt the need to whenever I was doing a layout. And I don't know if that was best practice or not, but things worked and no one complained. And then I just saw a huge, I think it was a thread on like, you know, you should never be using pixels, pixel sizes for your, uh, font size. And I actually forget the reason now, but I haven't really used much, uh, just straight pixel sizes for my fonts anymore. And that's something that it fell through the cracks of my learning. I didn't get stuck up on it before I moved on to using SAS and other things. It didn't get stuck up on that. I just found out about it later. And then I sort of refactored it into what I do now. And Mike and I have had this discussion recently where um, we will go back to something because a client will message us and they'll be like, hey, you know what? You made me my slider. I don't know. And I want you to update it. Uh, can you do that? So we go back to the script. And even though we've only done it three years ago, we think, what in the hell was I doing here? <laughs> and it's because we've changed as developers and as professionals and we've learned new things and it's fine to not know everything because you literally are not going to know everything there's a reason why people get second opinions and this even applies to things like what car should you buy what appliance should you use should this appliance be fixed or replaced all the professionals are going to have their opinion and that's why they're that's why the phrase in my professional opinion exists so don't get don't get bogged down. Don't uh, don't get bogged down. Don't get bogged down into in tutorial hell adjacent territory <laughs> and just just go for it. Just make some stuff with your CSS. Learn, learn SAS, learn this and that, whatever you want to learn. Uh, try the if you want to do go go ham with your GSAP like uh, that's a good example, Mike, and just go for it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's it, though. Like, uh, just let us know what you do. Uh, let us know what, what your kind of next step will be. Uh, again, we're at HTML everything on Twitter. Like, you can ping me anytime. I'll reply to you. Like, if you want some suggestions on what to learn next, if you're in that CSS phase, let me know. Um, I can definitely point you in the right direction on that front. But the other, the other side of it is like, again, after CSS, you could go into JavaScript, right? So yep. that's another, it, like, once you feel comfortable, again, that comfort zone, these are the decisions you're going to be making. And like JavaScript is the next phase of web development, the next phase of programming careers. Yeah, a hundred percent. And like we said, you know, ask yourself questions as to where you want to go and what you want to do and why, and then how do you get there? Be a little uncomfortable in, in your learning and, you know, don't just stick with what you know and just push forward and learn some new stuff. I mean, there's no, there's, there's, there's little harm in it or no, no harm in it, hopefully. So that's my piece. That's my episode. <laughs> we're tying it up with a bow. And we're going to thank our $3 tier patrons, Ryan Gatchel from Blue Black Digital on blueblackdigital.com. Tim from the webhacker on the webhacker.com. Pip hashash nine block media and nine block media.com. Jason from Geek Life Radio via geekliferadio.com. Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via mcwebstudio.ca. Magnus from YesWeb via yesweb.se. Je- Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale and Fire Ant Season via fireantseason.com. Feel free to leave a comment or review on the platform that you are listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.